Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. You go to Europe and then you book the seven, you're 18 and you book like, I mean, well, you can't write this shit. <laughs> like, did you, you auditioned? Well, what happened was when I was about um, cause Milan was, was where I mainly worked. Right. So I would go to Milan and Paris, London and do a stint in Brazil and always end up back in Milan. Right. I ended up booking this, um, uncle Ben's rice commercial in Italian. It was an Italian uncle Ben's rice commercial. Wait, do it, do it, do it, do it. I didn't have to say anything. Oh fuck. No, okay. I wasn't like, tutto bene. no, I didn't yeah. have to like say oh, anything. Right. You know what I mean? But I, uh, I love the Italian language. I just, it just oh, warms yeah. my heart. I just love it. Um, I booked this thing where it was just me walking through the Duomo, the piazza right. the Duomo. And it was me just walking through the Duomo. And that's how I sold rice, apparently. 
Right. But, but I loved it. I loved it. I'm like, this is great. And this, cause I modeling, I never took to modeling, but, and let me tell you, these girls are, oh my, being a model, people think is so glamorous. It is so not. And these girls oh. bust their asses. I like that. We are, when I was doing it, we just pound the pavement and it right. is, you know, and it's just like, people think it's glamorous. A lot of it isn't, <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And, um, and even though I say I never took to it because I didn't like it, I never wanted to sound like, um, I'm putting down what these girls do. Right. And guys, there were a lot of men over there too. Cause I got to say it's a grind, like, like a lot of breaking into industry and stuff. It's a grind. So it's, uh, it's an interesting learning experience that I went through, but I got this Uncle Ben's rice commercial and uh, I really liked it. So I called my mom and I said, I want to try this acting thing. And she said, and this is me. I'm calling her from Italy. Now and- people listening need to know there's no FaceTime. No, no, there's you know, definitely, like, you definitely no FaceTime. Your mom, right, like, right. Yeah. It's so, like, long it's distance, yeah. you know, phone call, yeah. rotary yeah. phone. And I called my mom and I, and I said, I want to try this acting thing. And she's like, okay, what do you, what do we need to do? And I said, I need to learn how to act. And she said, okay, great. So I come home, I fly home on all Italia back to like with all your shit, with all your stuff, back up all my stuff, fly home. Cause I'm like, great. This phase of my life is over. I'm moving on to the next. Right. So I come home, we take a yellow pages, the thick, phone book, brick, yellow pages. And we literally open it up and just point to an acting teacher in New York city. And then my mother would drive me to my acting classes in New York city. And, um, and again, she wouldn't drive me to school, but but this part of my life. Um, and you're living in New Jersey and I'm back home living in New Jersey. And I start taking these um, acting classes every week. And what is teacher? Her name is Caroline Thomas. Uh, Yeah, I'm not even sure if she's still, I mean, again, this was in 1998. I'm not even sure if she's still teaching. But um, but I would go work with her. Were there any other, like, successful actors in your class? No. It was a bunch of, like, work, you know, workhorse, like, working your actors, you know, who were just learning the craft. And um, I, so I started taking classes with her. And then because I had modeled, my New York agency, who originally signed me and told me I had to lose weight and all that stuff. Fuck them. Whenever you're, I seriously, whenever you're a model, though, you you do different hair at, hair campaigns and stuff like that. You always have an agent who can put you out for like Pantene or whatever. Right, right. So that branch of my modeling agency, after I'd been learning to act for about, you know, probably six months up until now. I got a random commercial for an MCI commercial, a random mm-hmm. audition for an MCI commercial. It was it was called a national, which means oh yeah, yeah, a national commercial. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's like every actor's dream when yeah, you're yeah. kind of like when you're just like a working actor, like on the grind, getting a national commercial. You're like, I can pay my rent now, right? So I ended up getting this audition. I booked it. It was the first audition I ever got. I went out and it was just, I was dressed, I was a princess kissing a frog and I ended up booking this commercial. And then because I booked it, they were like, send her out, send her out. Oh, right, right, stuff. right. So then a few months later, this audition for this thing called the kids are all right. It wasn't called that 70 show. The kids are all right. Audition came in. 
I went in and read. I ended up flying. Uh, they flew me out to LA. Wow. First and class. Topher Grace to read with Topher. And I was 18 at this time. I didn't know, uh, Judy, I didn't know anything. I remember going to this callback, right? So I auditioned in New York and I was just like, did my thing. I didn't really think right. anything of it. Because I didn't know what was at stake, it was perfect. Because right. I didn't know. Because you didn't put any pressure on yourself. No. You're like, oh, that sounds fun. I want to go back there. I want to go back there. Every time I go on an audition, I want to go, oh, okay. All right. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Yeah. So I went into this reading. I was wearing a tank top, no makeup, camo pants, because I was really into camo pants at the time, (laughs) and a pair of flip-flops. And I walked into this casting, and I had no idea. And sitting next to me was this beautiful, blonde, petite, mini skirt, full makeup, right. hair, the whole thing. And I remember sitting there being like, oh shit, should I have like, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, she, totally opposite. You know, I didn't even know what was up. I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is happening. I don't right, know if, right, right. Like this, if, I, if I'm supposed to look like that. And I was supposed to go in before her. Okay. So this is to read with Topher for 70 show. They, the casting director came out and she said, we're going to take her in before me and it was now she's a well-known actress i'm not i can't say who she is but i later found out who she was where i was like oh my god that was blah 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 but now i I feel inappropriate saying who it was right but they came out and brought her in and then they brought me in and i and and i did my whole audition and everything and then i found out a few hours later that i booked the role of donna pinciotti yeah and later there were two things that i asked the creators of the show bonnie and terry turner I said, why did, <laughs> I said, why did, why did they bring her in before me when I was supposed to go in first? And they explained that they wanted to show the network because it was Fox. Yeah. They wanted to show the network what they thought they wanted and then bring in me who was what they wanted because right. I was Donna. And then, so that was an interesting casting game that I learned where I'm like, oh, wow, they, they stacked the deck for me, which I didn't right. know. And then... This, the thing that sealed the deal was I went in and I auditioned. And after I did the audition, I put my hands on the table and I said, we done? And I pushed up. And they said, "When are we good? I said, we good. So the fact that I put my hands on the table and, I'm, and I said, we good? And pushed up. They were like that. Not only did we already know you were Donna, but that physical action. Right was just cinched it, just sealed the deal. That is fucking incredible. Isn't that crazy? So it was the way that I, you know, read, because obviously they were like, you're Donna, but that one physical motion was so Donna, I didn't know. I was just saying, I oh, so crazy. I know. And then you think back, you're like, oh my God. When oh you think back to all the auditions that you didn't get. Yeah. And then you, the one, like the, the, the auditions that change your life, you're like, wow. And that cinched it. That's so funny. You have to, um, when you do your movie about your life, you have to call it, <laughs> we good. <laughs> so fucking great. I'm going to remember that. Okay. And then, all right. So then you're on this fuck like. Yeah, like, but Judy, I literally was like, uh, LA is fine. No. speak English there. I don't have to listen to CNN just to hear an, an English right. voice, you know? So I was like, while I learned so much living abroad and it was scary and amazing at the same time, I was like, LA will be a cakewalk. I'm like, this is fine. Right. You 
are on that 70s show for eight fucking years. Like, do you even, and you're, are you still naive enough to go, okay, okay. Or is it like, are you like, oh my God, I'm on it. Like, cause if someone said to me right now, you're going to be on a show for, I would be like, oh my God, I'm going to have health insurance. You know, yeah, yeah, tell me about it. I get yeah. it. And so now do you have any idea what, what has happened to you? Like that, that, that this is one in God knows how many. I know. And that the show's a success for eight years. Like it's you- surreal. It's surreal. Even now, when I think back to that, it's surreal. It really is. I, but you know what we, but I got to tell you again, we were all so young. Young. We were all so young. We were 18 and, uh, you know, the only two that had ever really worked before was Mila because she played like a uh, young Angelina Jolie and G. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so she played young Gia. So she had worked on a film. Danny Masterson was, was currently was doing a film when we all right. booked it and we were all like, Oh, he's doing a movie. What is that? Oh, like? my God. Yeah. We and we all learned on the job. Like we, and the way that Fox put us on the air, they put us on, not when the sh- new shows usually come out, they, they, or they did something like they re-ran us during the summertime. Like they put us on. So people could get invested in it. Exactly. So it was like a sl- very slow build. And then they re-ran us during the summer and that's when it really started catching on. But we didn't know what was a success and what wasn't. We had no idea. It was all of our first real jobs. Unbelievable. And Terry Hughes, by the way, what I did all, I was on All American Girl with Margaret Cho. And he was our director. And we used to make so much fun of him. It's so, I can't. (laughs) Because he talked like this. Yeah, he did a pilot. Yeah, yeah, he did the pilot, and then he, yeah, he did our, he did, he only directed one of our episodes. Right, I know, but I heard you say that, and I was like, oh yeah, God, yeah, Terry yeah, Hughes. and then well, Terry Turner created it, and Terry Hughes directed our pilot. Right, and, <laughs> and then this the, David Trainer, the most yeah. wonderful, amazing man. He directed, he was like our father. David directed every single episode of over. I think we, I think we did over two hundred episodes. That's amazing. He directed every single episode except for the pilot. He was so wonderful. I learned, I, I, um, I got into directing by just like that watching how, oh, him. Yeah. How he dealt with us. I learned so much from him. He was such an amazing director. And he literally was like our father. Like truly. He was That's amazing. Great. Yeah. So it was great. that whole, that was sort of like your high school, yes. college experience, right? You got exactly. to grow up with these and did you bond with all the whole cast? And yeah, it's you know what's so crazy when you think back at that we were all so brand new. We were on this show that was a hit. Right. We were. We all kept our heads on though. Like we, you never really heard. I remember when E tried to do some like Hollywood story about us, right. and there was no nothing for them to talk about. Right, right, right. Because you know, like sure, we'd go out and you know have drinks and you know do what people do, you know, in LA, right. whatever, but there, it wasn't like, you know, you just kind of, we all just kind of helped each other. You know what I mean? We all just yeah. kind of came up together and 
It was an amazing experience. And I learned so much on that show. I learned how to act on that show. Of course. I'm sure you learned your whole life. I learned so much on that show. And it was just like, but to go through, I mean, I was on the show from 18 until 26. I mean, if you think about that is like, uh, if you think about those years, I mean, those are formative those years. Those are, yeah. And you have money and a fucking job. We have money when, and a job okay. and a wonderful person like David Trainer, who is setting an example of, of how to do this. And right. it was um, amazing. This was the, this is the most exciting thing. When you get to, when the show gets picked up and you get your own director's chair to sit in while you're not in your scene. Uh, I know. And that's always the best. Well, because since, you know, you always think about like, you know, my, my husband and I do our little mini film school where we go back and we watch, cause he's also a director. So right. we go back and we watch all, all of these older movies from the forties right. and fifties and you know, you see these, you know, when you start studying early cinema and then you see the actors in the director's chair and things like that, there's like this idea in your head that you're like, oh, that's like the golden age of Hollywood. Right. So when, and you always kind of have some idea of that. So when I first walked onto the set and saw my name on a chair. Like fucking, oh my God. You're like, this is real life made it. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code JUDYGOLD, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code JUDYGOLD at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code JUDYGOLD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. So you're Donna. I mean, I bet you're like, people are like calling you Donna at at Gelson's and like, you know, you're on this amazing show. Yeah. 
It was crazy. How, and then you get orange now, but it it, t- it took a few years, correct? Yeah, I mean, seventies seventies ended in two thousand and six, right? And while I was on seventies, I realized that I wanted to become a director because while I loved acting directing was something that when I first directed, I'm like, this is, I felt like a fish in water when I acted, but when I directed, it was even more. Right. And while I love acting and I'm, I'll always act directing was so, I, I just felt so comfortable. And like, I finally found my calling. It's, you know, people don't realize like people don't realize a conductor of an orchestra knows every instrument, right. what they're playing. If they, they can hear if, if the, you know, oh, third, that's such a good analogy. I never yeah, thought about it. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's like, you can hear if the third violin, second chair made a mistake. Like, it's so true. you know, every fucking detail of that music and, you know, and directing it's like, you see something in your head and you have to create this. And people think, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you go over there and you stay and say it like this. And it's, it's so intricate and so detail oriented. I like, God, when you work with a director who doesn't know how to do that, boy, is that a train wreck? It's horrible. It's awful. It's awful. And there, I mean, we've all experienced working with, directors where you're like how did you get this job right 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 how are you doing this right now and everything it's like a mutiny right um because everything falls apart when you don't have a director who can um do exactly what you just explained it's it's rough when you have a director who can't do that but i the so you start you leave that and you start directing a little and then do you get orange well what happened was i started directing on i did this when I, while I was on 70s, when I turned, I was around 22, I booked my first film, my first feature film that's shot in Coleman, Alabama. Uh-huh. And it was a very, very low budget indie. And um, I went and did this movie and I was the, uh, the female lead. And I saw, we were hanging out in Coleman, Alabama in the middle of some muddy field. And I saw this group of guys standing around with a camera. And I went to the director and I said, who, who were those guys? Right. And he said, cause it was a group of guys right. and he was like, Oh, that's the second unit. That's the second unit. And my second unit director quit. And he's, it was his first film. So he was, right. and I said, okay, great. I am off for the next two days. I'm not filming. So give them to me and I'll go get the shots. And he said, do you know how to direct? And I was like, of course. Oh, I have no idea. I have just watched David Trainer on the set of 74. I, I love that. So I, so he's like, great. Tomorrow morning, come to the production office, which was a room at the Holiday Inn where we were all right. staying. And I got a list of 16 shots. And it was like, you know, it was, it was second unit. So it was like a guy on a tractor or like right. the lead, the lead character's car driving by, but without right him in it you know just like the car a sunset like different shots established tone and things like that so we were we got in the van with these i was with these four guys right and we're driving around i'm like okay i need a guy on a tractor i saw a guy on a tractor and i was like pull over we pulled over i and i'm like he needs to sign something right i hand wrote a consent form 
got this guy, he signed it. And we got the shot of him on the tractor. It was beautiful. And then oh. we got, we just picked off all the other shots. We needed to film a chicken farm, a water tower, all these shots. No way. Um, the director saw the dailies and he said, great, you're the second unit director. No fucking way. And then I became the second unit director on this little indie and it was great. Mm -hmm. And my crew was like the first, because we were all transplanted <sighs> from LA. And my crew was like the first thing you direct in LA were your crew. I went back to LA. I wrote a short film. They were my crew. And I did this short film. And then I was like, I need to, I need to know more. I need to, right. you know. So then I tracked down this guy who taught at a local college close to the 70s show set. And I got him to, I, I got him to put me through film school. Wow. Um, Cause he was a, he was the <laughs> father of a friend of mine. And he, I literally wouldn't let up. I'm like, he was like, I don't have time to do this. I teach during the day. And I was like, I'll pay you. I will show wow. up. I'll do all of it. And when he literally, I wouldn't leave him alone. And finally he agreed to put me to film school. And so he did. So I would go to 70s during the day. I'd go to film school at night. And um, he ended up producing my second short film. And then I ended up just cutting my teeth on stuff. I taught myself how to edit, which taught myself how to edit, was a one woman crew for this wow. web series I did. Um, and then by the time, and then right after 70s ended, I ended up doing October Road. And then I did a show called Are You There Chelsea with Chelsea Handler. Yes. And then, and then <laughs> another, Jer you know, she's from Jersey. Another Jersey Jew, yeah. You know, she's, she's got, there's six siblings in her family. Yeah. Six kids. Um, but yes, and then after Chelsea ended, I booked Orange is the New Black. Were you like, when you auditioned for Orange, or uh, did they offer it to you or? No, I auditioned, did I audition? Here's what happened. I auditioned for the role of, Piper originally. Wow. A lot of us auditioned for different roles. A lot right. of the girls, because there were so many roles. Right. A lot of the girls auditioned for many different things. And then depending on what they were great for, they then would come back and read for that. I auditioned for the role of Piper, which I knew I was wrong for. Right. But I loved the script and I love like Alex. I, I knew I was Alex. Right. Know? Of course. And I auditioned for Piper, knew I was wrong for it. And Genji could not get me out of her head um, for the role of Alex. So then she was like, they ended up hiring Taylor, who was a beautiful, wonderful actress. I loved working with Taylor. Yeah, she's great. Um, and, <clears throat> and then I went to New York to test with Taylor as Alex. And when we auditioned together, it was like kismet. It was just oh. one of those things that we were so like meant to do these roles. And it was so magical. Like when you, you know, when you do an audition or a oh, and like, you're like clicky you know clickman. Yeah, exactly. So it was that. And then none of us knew what Netflix was or anything, but we knew that this material was special. And, uh, and then I ended up getting, I literally came on back to LA and I so found this out, was like, was this the first time you were doing something where you're like, oh my God, I really want this. So it wasn't like, well, it wasn't like, you know, no, I mean, did it have weight? Did it have, you know, like, 
Yeah. I mean, here yeah. after, after look, I've had the good fortune to be able to do the, be in this industry for over 20 years. Right. Um, amazing. It's been yeah. Amazing. It's been amazing. I mean, granted there's all this stuff that you don't see. Right. Of, of like, course. Being told no a million times. 8,000 every, I know. I tell my kids that I go, if you only knew Exactly. It's like 99, no, 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 too tall, too fat, too fat, too tall, too Jewish, too gay. You know, it's like, yeah, it's I get it. I mean, nobody sees that. Nobody right. sees that. They just see like, oh, you're on this show, you know? Right. But um, I had gone to a point in my career where because all of that rejection would, for a while, was really starting to affect me. Right. Um, I re- and while, yes, I went from this wonderful show, like that 70s show, to October Road, to Are You the Chelsea, there's all these things in between. In between. And yeah. That there's rejection circled around and different things right. like that. And you have to have such thick skin to just persist in this industry. And just say, you're wrong, you're wrong. Exactly. Okay. And you have to just... I mean, not to sound cliche, but believe in yourself and keep going. Right. And one of the things that I loved so much about Orange, especially, because this is something that I would tell myself, which is, and especially now it's so embraced and I love that, is that there is only one you. You can give a hundred actors the same line and that will be read a hundred different ways. Right. And for a long time, when I was coming up in the industry, I would always try to do the lines or portray this role the way that I think that this that other they want it, yeah, or the way that they would want it. And that was not correct. So I got to a point where I was in this long enough, and I had enough boots on the ground experience that I was like, you know what? Screw it! I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. Right? Nobody is going to see it the way that I see it. Just right. like nobody's going to see it the way that you would see it. Right. And et cetera, et cetera. So when I really started to embrace my individuality, which by the way, took me years to do that, years to grow into. But by the time Orange came around, I was already in that thing of, I'm just going to do this the way that I want to do it. And if they don't like it, fuck them. Move yeah. on. Right. And it's also <clears throat> because I love my job. I used to be terrified about auditioning. My heart would be beating through my shirt. See my shirt moving with my heartbeat because I was so fucking nervous. Right. And I got to a point where after all of these audition after audition and meeting after meeting, where I was like, you know what? I love my job. I get to go in and perform for two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever the hell it is. I get to go in and I get to do this. And it changed my viewpoint. Instead of being like in fear, it was more like, I can't wait to get in there and show them what I did and show them what I did with this. Yeah, yeah. That viewpoint, along with- Yeah, you have such a good attitude. Game changer. So by the time Orange came around, I was like, great. This is my viewpoint of Alex. This is how I'm going to do it. And if they don't like how I do it, then cool. On to the next. But I knew that there was something really special about it. So I had to really, you know, make myself calm down in terms right. of I know how badly I wanted it, but I had to balance it. That, right. With, Put that compartmentalized. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But I knew it was special. I, I knew it. I knew it. Did, did you ever meet the person who your character is based on? No. 
Wow. I didn't. And I had asked about it and it was very quickly quelled. <laughs> no way. Yeah. I asked, early on, I had asked about it and it was just not something that was going to happen. For whatever. And then I, and then I let it go. I was like, okay, well, I, cause Did I, you ever like Google or try to find out? Oh, sure, sure, sure. But I, but you know, one thing that was really great about, about working with Genji and Netflix, because Netflix, I don't know how they are now, but when we, seven years ago, they were not micromanaging us at all. They were right. like, right. do the show, do your vision of the character. Genji's going to do her vision of the show. And it was very free and wonderful. And now I, I don't know how they are now because well, once then they, moving, they were like, you, just keep doing it. But you are like, you guys made them a success. You put them on the map. I mean, I, we definitely all came up together yeah. to get yeah. us. We all, it was a, it was a rise together, which was amazing. Us house of cards. Um, we, I think they yeah. went on right before us, but yeah, our show with Netflix was a, a change the game. Change Were you surprised that it got so big and, and big? Like, like my, my fucking teenage kids were watching it. Like right. it, it's, it's sort of like, it was all like, it's all women and women of the, you know, women, women, women. Right. But the audience wasn't all women and lesbians. Like they all thought it was going to be a big lesbo show, but right. it ended up being, I mean, everyone, like straight fathers in the school, like. Well, we changed the game. I mean, we were taking on subjects that nobody else was. Right. And thank goodness. Like it was the stuff that we covered on that show. Nothing was taboo. We went there. We portrayed it. We did it. And it changed. It changed. Number one, it changed the way that people consume entertainment. Number one. Right. And, you know, on the rise with Netflix and that that all became a, like, we changed the game together, you know? Right. And, and now look, now we're all, that's how people are consuming their entertainment. Mostly. It's, it's, it's incredible. Through it's through streaming. Because it, you want, you couldn't wait to get to the next one. Like, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it was, um, we changed the game in such an incredible way. And I'm so, oh, I'm just so proud to be part of it. And, and the girls, we're all still close, and it's like, Aww. it's amazing. It's just, it's just amazing. I mean, yesterday Taylor and I did a thing for my book, and um, yeah, it was just we're all, and we have like this text chat that we're all on, and right. like, just we all stay in touch. I love that Bondy Bondman. Yeah, and then last weekend we did um, this whole thing where, you know, Danielle Brooks was like. We should, you know, wanted to do this whole thing that we ended up, this little video that we ended up doing and posting together to um, help people stay inside and stay home. Right. And we, we all got together and not, you know, we all got yeah, together yeah. in our own homes. Right. And did this, this fun thing to help kind of, you know, help people stay oh, home. Oh, that's, all. I love yeah, that. It's, great. it's, it's truly great. They're just amazing, amazing well, women and men. That I can't um, believe I'm six two. Over 200 pounds, and I was never on that fucking show. God, <laughs> I wish it. you were. You would have loved it. I wanted to be on so bad. I was like, I did Shakespeare in the Park. I'm like, they, I, and they came, you know, like so many people came. And I was like, I'm gonna get so fun. something like some Jew character, you know, that's <laughs> that, like embezzled money for their husband. Um, that would have been amazing. 
So, and then also, I, you know, I directed a bunch of them. So I know it was just so cool. Yeah. You know, what's so great. I don't know. There's something so it's like, you're, you're so positive, but you're so realistic and you're just not, not like so many people in this business. Like, it's like, thanks Judy. It's just, it's so refreshing. Okay. Thank you. Hey everyone, you know what I just did? I tore, I poured, and I enjoyed a packet of Liquid IV. Because I love Liquid IV. Liquid IV is a major part of my life. And I just worked out with my trainer, and I had a delicious lemon ginger liquid IV. That one has a little extra, that has a little green tea in it. And so that's a little caffeinated. So I enjoy that because I needed it today. And you know, it's getting warmer out. And what does that mean? Summer. Oh God, please come. It can't come soon enough. And that means you have to hydrate. And that's what liquid IV does. It hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. And it has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in one little stick. And that's why Liquid IV is the number one powered hydration brand in America. Okay? And I love it. I use it every day. Ben's basketball team uses it. It is a science-backed formula that works. It keeps you hydrated. And they have sugar-free. They have sugar-free packets in white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime. Okay? I didn't do the sugar-free. Okay. But Elisa does the sugar-free. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay hydrated because it's very, very important. And Liquid IV has been a longtime sponsor, and I love them. And they are a quality product. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn your ordinary, ordinary, can't speak. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Judy Gold at checkout. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, can't even say my name, at liquidiv.com. Got it? You're welcome. Now, your book. Now, you did write a cookbook. Yes, in 2016. That came out, yeah. So you write this book, which is out now, which is amazing, and it's a quick read, which is, you know, and it's perfect time to read. Here you are. You you meet the love of your life. Well, you met the love of your life, but you married the love but, of your uh, life. Yes, we finally, we took the long road to each other and finally right. we got back together. And until you met him, you really no, not, didn't think about kids and, you know. Your daughter is born, Ella. Yep. And here comes this mind fuck right. of, oh my God, I'm a mother, which is the scariest thing in the world. And it's true, you relive every age you think of yourself at that age. Right. And what was, you know what I mean? Right. So 
you, I, you once said when you have nothing to rebel against, you become more responsible. Yeah. Um, and, and that is my, I believe that I believe. Yes. That. So. I, I heard you say that. And I, and I thought, how was she going to parent? Like, are, cause you see both sides of the equation. You know what I mean? Yes. You see the side of the equation of, oh, freedom, freedom, freedom. And then you see the side of the equation where like kind of wanted a little bit of boundary. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Ella is what? Three, two and, four, a half. two and a half, three, two. All right. Two and a half. Almost, almost three. Almost three. Okay. I mean, you have so much, so long to go. I'm telling you, it gets so annoying. They get so mean. Uh, They're so fucking like, okay. Everything I fucking do, I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. Anyway. Um, how do that's you- also why that, but that's also why in my book, I interviewed this, uh, this group of women right. of different ages with kids of different ages, different backgrounds, different professions, specifically for that reason, because I feel like we all struggle with the same types of things like stress and loss of control and right. self-care and you know the mom guilt and keeping your partnership strong right we all suffer with these things or struggle or whatever and but there are these common things that we go through but there's different viewpoints of it so there's something that everyone can relate to right when they read the book because, because but for that exact reason is why yeah. i talk to mothers of all ages Right. And also it's like, you have to accomplish the same thing, which is I want a good person. I want to create a great person. Exactly. And the, everyone goes about it a different way. And who's to say what's right and what's wrong, you know? Right. So here you are, how are you having visions of your mother? And do you, see things that Ella does. I know you have a new baby. <laughs> but do you see, do you like get these, like how do, how do you reconcile the way you were brought up with the way you're parenting? It's a really good question because, you know, I never had to go back and look at that really. Right. Because I feel like because everything we just talked about, like, because I started working at such a young age and I was just kind of like boots on the ground working. Right. I had never really analyzed my upbringing. Right. I had never really looked at it too much um, because I was just kind of like on the move, on the grind and going. Right. And I never thought about kids until I got with my husband when I was 36. So yes, for the first time, having to look back at that was mind-blowing for me but the other thing is the reason why I originally wrote this book was uh, you and I as mothers is because when I first became a mom I'm like the one that people would come to to get things done right I was always like the rock people would come to me to get things handled they relied on me to like if there was a problem they're like Laura can you just handle that you know what I mean like and I prided myself on the fact that I was the one that people leaned on and that they right. could get it done in all areas of my life. Right. So when I became a mother, I was completely upended. I didn't know what was going on. Right. My hormones were all over the place. I was, I was having panic attacks. I was grinding my teeth so much in the middle of the night that I chipped my tooth. Oh, right. 
I literally would, even the thought of taking my daughter outside would my, I couldn't breathe. Like I would hold my breath for minutes. Like, I don't even know how I survived that. Right. Not breathing. And I, everything, I was just so like filled with anxiety and fear that I couldn't protect my child and I couldn't take care of myself. I couldn't take care of my family. I was completely messed up and it was so not me. And I turned to my husband and, and I just was like, the woman you married is gone. I don't know right. who I am. I don't know what's going on. Like I was a complete disaster. And I, there was nowhere for me to turn to. Like there was right. no, I'm all about researching and right. and prepping. I'm all about preparation. And well, I there's not yeah. anything. Right. Because there's all this stuff about pregnancy, these wonderful books. About what pregnancy. to expect when you're expecting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a ton of books about parenting, but there right. wasn't a resource for me as the woman, as the mother, like there wasn't a resource for me to turn to. And that's when I started writing things down. You're so resourceful. I start. <laughs> thank you. It's amazing. I started, thank you. I, I started reaching out to other mothers of different right. ages. And talking to them about anxiety, talking about how they handle stress, talking about what they do for themselves, not, you know, we're all identified like in relation to our kids, which I get right. our mothers and we love our children, but there wasn't something about, about us. Right. As individuals. As individuals. Yeah. And that, that is what was so that. important to me to write about. And I started writing these down and writing all this stuff down and looking back at my childhood and how I was raised. And, you know, that's another thing too, is a lot of people who aren't mothers love the book because even though they're not mothers and might choose not they're to daughters. Be, they're exactly. And they're sisters and they're right. friends or and they're, their aunts. Yeah. Are going to be mo- like, whatever right. it is. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say that they've gotten so much out of the book because I speak to these kind of universal subjects. Right. And it's so great because it runs the gamut. It's not like, this is how you do it. You know, this is the right way. If you want this result, do this. We're talking about fucking people. You know, they're people. Exactly. Have you called, have you ever asked your sisters or your mother for advice, parenting advice? Well, well, my mother has Alzheimer's. Oh, okay. Sorry. I knew that, but I didn't know if she- No, no, no. It's it's fine. It's fine. uh, So she doesn't remember, uh, you know, because she's kind of, further along down the road, unfortunately, that's such a right. terrible It's a horrible thing. disease. Absolutely terrible. Um, so she doesn't remember. I'll, you know, I will tell her stories about stuff and try to, you know, spark some memories there, right. but she, you know, she doesn't really remember. Um, and my sisters have their own way of mothering. Right. And it's, but yes, I, yeah, we talk about it all the time since they're all, all my sisters are mothers now. And, um, but I, it really was important to me to have some like a different viewpoints on the same subject same thing, Yeah, that any, you- any, that the reader, any reader can relate to. That was really important to me. And through, I got to tell you through the process of writing this book, I have gone through so much writing it, so much healing, so much, so much research and eye opening information and I'm biased. Obviously it's my book. I get it. Right, but right. I really, truly love this book and I, it's helping a lot of people. And, um, I'm just, it's amazing. 
Thank you. I'm just so excited about it, especially with what we're dealing with now. Oh. The isolation and the and the need for community and the need to feel seen and heard. I right. just, I just, it's, it's. I'm very happy about. I'm just so proud of the book. And what do you do? You it. think about what you're going to tell Ella about your childhood and when you're going to tell her. <laughs> I there's some things I don't think she needs to know. Right. 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 Um, uh, because you know she's going to throw it back in your face. Of like, course. You of course. And be like, well, you went to Milan when you were 15. Exactly. So why can't I get it? You know? Exactly. And she'll find all that stuff out oh, just yeah. by, you know, listening to this yeah. or watching whatever, you know? Um, but yeah, I, you know, she's, she's going to definitely put me to the test. I already right. know that. I, you know, she's highly independent. She's very uh. smart. And, uh, I, we got, it's coming. All right. <laughs> it's um, coming. So I always ask, first of all, I fucking love, you're so amazing. And so like, are you. No, you are. And you're <laughs> so, such a whole person and such an individual. It's so fucking great. Like I was doing, when I was doing research and this, this idea, you know, where you, you can't give up. Like you, you said that when you were younger and you know, and it's so true. I have, I have a thing on my door that says never, ever, ever give up. And right. And just you're just the plowing forward and the, the blinders, but you still could see everything. I just fucking brilliant. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks Judy. Okay. So I always ask my two questions to my guests. Number one, because we're very pro mental health. What yeah. do you do for mental health? Like, antidepressants, meditation, like, you know, cause uh, we want to break the stigma. I always, I'm on so many meds and I have been, and I went through a clinical depression uh, and it's like, it's, it's like having diabetes, you know, but you talk a little bit about the postpartum anxiety and stuff. And, um, yeah, that was so rough. It was so rough. I, I, my husband and I meditate together. Um, and, and he, <laughs> and he actually grew up in a transcendental meditation community in Iowa. No fucking way. Yeah. So his parents were like on the forefront of that whole thing. And right. you hear, you hear about it because of Oprah and Jerry Seinfeld and right. Lynch and you know, all yeah. these people, there's so many people that, that specifically do TM, but I, but regardless of that, I just find time to what really helps me and just make my mind kind of chill out is I do, I just kind of meditate. I just kind yeah. of spin out. And that's something that's really helped. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and my husband and I started doing TM together when I really, really was suffering. From- I want to do that. I want to learn it so bad. I've called Bob Roth. I talked to him all the time. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, and he's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's like, come on, Bob. I know I'm not <laughs> on a on, Bob. You know, Bob, everyone's got a, got a mantra except for <laughs> I me. I you my mantra. I need a fuck. Just give me the fucking mantra and I'll figure the rest out. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. And so that, so that honestly has helped a lot when I was going through, you know, this, right. this anxiety has helped a lot. And I also realized that I've always done a form of that, of just like breathing, like, just trying right. to, because there's so many times when I get stressed out that I would catch myself holding my breath. Right. So learning some breath work. Yeah. Which, 
which is, and, and ever since I was a kid, I never learned how to correctly support my voice. Right. I never learned how to correctly breathe. Truthfully. And use your diaphragm. And stuff. Exactly. And I remember as a kid being on 70s show, my director, David would say, Laura, you have got to learn how to support your voice because I would do a scene where if my character had to like raise her voice and I had to right. do speak over and over again, I couldn't speak for four days. Wow. I would lose my voice. So even as a kid, he was like, you have to learn how to breathe. Right. And I realized as I got older, and especially after becoming a mother, when I had this crazy stress of like terrified about protecting this baby, um, I would hold my breath a lot. So breath work, learning that, which my husband is also, my husband's played a lot of um, Marines and, you know, Navy SEALs and they, he would practice and work with, you know, boots on the ground seals. Right. They, a lot of them use breath work to stay calm and relaxed in the it's middle so, of a mission or getting yeah. prepared. Like breath is so important. Right, I know. And I know and you're, I know it's like, yeah, of course, like some people want to be like, like people course, don't right? realize just focusing on it. Exactly. Counting them. Exactly. You know, it's, you get out of your whole. Yeah. Exactly. So that and, and, and meditating in some yeah. form has been very helpful for me. Um, okay. Last question. Okay. The podcast is called kill me now, which, cause I am, so, I get so annoyed. Like I can't stand <laughs> so much shit about people. What pisses you off more than anything? Like makes you fucking crazy. Like you're like, I can't. Um, uh, oh, goodness. Let and me- it could be anything. Um, okay, this is gonna sound like weird, no. weird, yeah. but I really this is gonna this is like a weird quirk that I have. I love it. When it comes to recycling, yeah, I am so especially in New York when you see all the garbage bags and recycling right. piled up on the street. I I can't help but think about the landfills where all this stuff is going and recycling and everything, it drives me crazy. So when I have to clean out particular containers, because I'm the one who like rinses out the containers to make sure that they can fully recycle it. Right. And I have such limited time having two kids and all the stuff that we have to do. And especially with the self-isolation and everything, we're like running a school, we're running a restaurant, right. doing my virtual book tour, which I'm so thankful to be doing. Trust me. Yeah. Having to clean out these particular containers, like, peanut butter or something. Right, 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 right. I get so pissed off at my own kind of neuroses for having to make sure it's clean so it can be recycled. I just get really pissed off. And then when I see other stuff in the recycling bin, that's not, that's something else in my uh, house. I have to take it out of the bin and do it myself. No fucking way. I take it out and I clean it up. Oh my God. So that... That I'm just like, can we all right. just be neurotic about this? Right. That kind of kills me. I know. I have to clean it out too. I have that to kills me. I know. And then you feel, and if you don't clean it out, then you feel like, oh fuck. Yeah, exactly. And like two hours later, you go back. You're like, all right, I'll take the tuna fish out. You fucking asshole. That's exactly <laughs> it. I know. It's I, and it makes me so. I'm just like, ugh. I'm oh. about my thing to have to clean it out. Right. And then to and have then it. And then like, if someone else puts it in the garbage that I have to then take out, I'm like, right. God damn it. You, you know? Fucker. <laughs> um, I cannot thank you enough. This was such an honor. You're so fucking great. So please. are you. No, you are. And you have to get, please everyone get this book. You're, you're self-isolating. You and I as mothers, uh, 
a raw and honest guide to motherhood. And that's what we need, raw and honest, because we certainly don't have it in the White House. <laughs> I mean, we might have raw, but not honest. Um, but I so appreciate you having me on. This was so special. Oh my God, you don't know. You have no idea. What I'm so fucking happy. I, I can't fucking believe it. Um, where, where can people find the book? Where can they everywhere, everywhere books are sold. You can go to my website at lauraprepon.com or just lauraprepon.com. There's a bunch of links on there or where, you know, it's everywhere books are sold. It's out right now. Oh, you're the best. So are you. I really appreciate you having me on my fellow Jersey girl. Oh, thank you. And I'm looking up Wheat Shape Row, but I kind of think I know where it is. Awesome, Awesome. Now that I think about it. Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with the one and only Laura Prepunt. Was she not amazing? Make sure to tune in next week because we'll have a new guest and I'm not telling you who it is. If you like the show, which how can you not, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. It helps more people find the show and it should be only five stars, the reviews, okay? I can't with the little petty criticisms because everything I do is perfect. Make sure to follow me on social media to stay up to date with any added virtual dates with myself. And I'm get, I'm doing a lot of stuff online. So really check my website and follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all updates at Judy Gold at J-E-W-G-O-L-D. You know, like Jew gold because I'm Jewish. <laughs> And as always, during this quarantine, you can listen to the backlog of amazing interviews we've done on Kill Me Now, or listen to my comedy albums, Conduct Unbecoming, my most recent, Kill Me Now, that came out a year and a half ago, and Judith's Roommate Had a Baby, which is my first album. You can get links to all of this at judygold.com. I hope you're all safe. I hope you're all well, and I can't wait to come out of this and be better than ever. And thank you so much for listening, and as we always say... So long! And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.